Come be a part of Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board with Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics right now. again that's the sound of rock cracking you've got doc holiday's rock splitting politics right here on webtalkradio.net i'm your host dr ed holiday and wow we we've got a great show for you we have got a candidate running for the united states senate uh dan eubanks in the mississippi primary we've had a, another candidate in that primary and saying in a country look around we're we're looking at Mississippi, what's happening in the state of Mississippi, where uh, an incumbent's being challenged by two uh, two different uh, challengers uh, because uh, they think he's not doing a good job for the Republicans, and they want to see him out. And that is uh, United States' Roger Wicker, who is uh, going, uh, going to be in the primary on March 12th to go for another term in the United States Senate. So... Uh, Dan Eubanks will be contesting him, and we're going to speak with Dan in just a couple minutes. But before we do, I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen and see if you thought you would ever agree with the UAW president, president of uh, uh, United Auto Workers, Sean Fain. Take a listen to what he did. just said on um, Neil Cavuto's Fox Business program. Uh, they talk about electric engines versus uh, the gas-powered engines and the union. and But they, at the end, they're going to talk about who the union members vote for. And you think they're all pulling for, well, Joe Biden says they're all pulling for him. Take a listen to what the president of the UAW had to say. You know, there's always a dichotomy. I mean, the union membership in the past was very strong for Ronald Reagan in both elections. Uh, George Bush Sr. benefited uh, from the union vote. Uh, many of your own members now, Sean, are, are very big Trump supporters. I don't know the breakdown. You know that far better than I. <laughs> but that a, a good many of them are at Trump rallies and are MAGA enthusiasts. How do you feel about that? Look, every, it's what makes this country, you know, uh, a beacon for other countries. You know, it's, it's democracy in action. Um, look, let me be clear about this. A great majority of our members uh, will not vote for President Biden. Uh, yes, some will. Uh, but that's the reality of this. Uh, the majority of our members are going to vote their paychecks. They're going to vote for an economy that works for them, and they're going to vote for a president. When you look at these two presidents, the choice is very clear about which one stands up with the working class and stands up for labor and which one stands for the billionaire class. And that's his base. Did the president of the United Auto Workers just tell us that most of his members are going to vote for Donald J. Trump? I think he just did. I think he's admitting what is a reality now. But uh, let's let's get this conversation right on to the elections of 2024 the mississippi united states senate race dan eubanks 
He's a state representative uh, in the state of Mississippi, and he has thrown his hat in the ring. The March 12th is coming up very quickly, and let's see what he had to say. Doc, it's good to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. Well, uh, there's a lot we need to talk about, and I'm going to hit you with a question right off the start right here. In the history of Mississippi politics, very few incumbents get beat when you're talking about a delegation to Washington. Some representatives have, but there's not a time in our lifetimes that a United States senator in office has been beaten by a, uh, you know, by somebody that's running uh, against them in their own party. Uh, Yeah. that, that's never happened in my lifetime in the state of Mississippi that I'm aware of. So what doc, you know, here's the thing too, is, is in Mississippi, at least historically, um, these senators go there and they stay for a lifetime, you know, uh, they're year, there for decades and decades. And they usually step down before the end of their term so that the governor and the establishment puts who they want in there. So the people never really get a fresh choice because once Somebody, like you said, is an incumbent. Uh, they have the, the name recognition. They have you know, tons of special interest money to run a race uh, that, that no normal person or challenger can, can raise unless they just happen to be super independently wealthy. And so, so yeah, you're absolutely right. We don't, we don't usually see that happen. But I think, I think uh, this time we're ripe for it. Well, tell me why you think that can happen. I, I know we got new technology, we got social media, we got things that they didn't have even five years ago. I mean, that's how uh, new technology is. So are you utilizing that or are you just, uh, or is your name already recognized all over the state? Well, I wouldn't say my name is recognized all over the state unless you're part of certain groups. Um, I have served in the Mississippi legislature for the last eight years um, and I have worked with a bunch of different folks around the state, but it's it's not the it's not the name ID of a a thirty year member of the swamp by any stretch, um, and I think it's different this time uh, because so much rides on it. I, I truly believe that we will have the highest turnout for a Republican primary that we have had, if not ever, or most certainly the recent history in Mississippi and possibly in a lot of states around the country. Um, it's just the political dynamic of what's going on, what's going on in the Republican primary with folks trying to oust Trump. Um, I think folks are going to show up big and I think that's the wild card. And now you take a candidate like Roger Wicker, who, you know, he's been in office for forever and, uh, he is, you know, people are starting to wake up to his antics. Um, I, I honestly, if I had to make a prediction, I would say Trump takes Mississippi by 65 70 percent of the vote uh that's assuming that the uh nikki haley and ron DeSantis are still in the race um if, if they if any one of them drop out between now and march 12th i think that you'll find that he takes even more of the of the vote than that but i think most trump supporters um you're right there yeah, go ahead yeah let me um just for our listeners in mississippi who will Vote be, may be voting in the uh, Republican primary coming up in March. But for our listeners around the country, uh, have you made a decision who you're supporting for the Republican nominee for president? Now, are, is that a question directed to me or your listeners? 
directed to you for our listeners. Have you made it? Oh, yeah. Or supporting? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure who I know I'm voting for. I campaigned for him the last couple of times, but, but, uh, I've got a race of my own to run. So, uh, you know, a lot of times when you're running a race, people are always like, you know, you know, well, who are you voting for on this and who do you support on that? And, um, I, th- I think if people know, uh, know me, they know I'm an America first guy and they know I, I don't like the, the, the deep state and the establishment. And I, I think that you've got uh, a candidate in the race now that's been battling them for a while. Um, the, uh, that being said, uh, I'm trying to stay in my lane. I'm running a race myself and who we put in the white house is important, but who we put in the Capitol building is just important. We need to make sure that we have, um, we have folks in in both of those places that are willing to stand up and do the right thing. And they're not afraid to go up and stand alone sometimes when they have to. That's something I've been doing for the last eight years in the Mississippi legislature. Um, I've got a proven track record. I have uh, I have the highest lifetime average conservative rating of any legislator in the state and uh, that's serving in the state. And so so it's, it's not, hey, I wonder if this guy's actually going to follow through if, if he gets elected. Uh, the, the good folks of Mississippi are going to know how I'm going to represent them because I've been representing them already. And and uh, and I've been doing it in a very uh, constitutional freedom, liberty, conservative uh, manner. Um, but yeah, I mean, March 12th is the landscape may look different in another 50, what, four, 55 days. Um, but I also think just to elaborate on what I said earlier, I think that this election is going to be completely different. I think we're going to have record turnout. I think folks that, that are Trump supporters, um, are going to remember that, that our current Senator was, was one of a handful of senators that fought him on securing the Southern border. Now he's going around all over the state. Um, touting his, you know, finish the wall act and, um, you know, just hammering on that and saying that's what he's doing, but it's about 10 million illegals too late. And I think people remember that. And I think people also remember, um, you know, the resistance that, that he had towards Trump and the resistance that, that, uh, I mean, even the, the stuff he said about all the J sixers folks that, um, you know, a lot of, you had a lot of average everyday people that just went in and, and they were being treated like domestic terrorists. And, and our current Senator said they needed to be basically had the full extent of the law thrown at them and, and, uh, and, and be prosecuted for that. And I think that doesn't take into uh, consideration, uh, the situation. Um, and, and so I think there's a lot of folks that are, that are waking up to that and they're working up to the fact that 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 he is one of the foremost war hawks in in congress uh, he hasn't found a billion dollars he doesn't want to give to the ukraine um and you know we're spending hundreds of billions of dollars defending their border and leaving ours wide open and a nation that doesn't have borders isn't sovereign uh, put, put, so, let's go ahead and get down in the, the nitty-gritty and the nuts and bolts because yeah. you just said that and now uh we're Putin, uh, I think we all agree, was a, a bad guy that went in and, and, and crossed the border. And what do you do? Do, uh, do you let Putin come right on in as he march across uh, uh, Ukraine into into Europe? Uh, is NATO endangered? Uh, what, what, where do you see yourself com- uh, compared to how uh, Senator Wicker has been voting about the Ukraine? 
Yeah. Well, you know, if you understand the, the power dynamics of what's going on over in, um, you know, in with Russia and the Ukraine, when the West started courting the Ukraine to join NATO, which they're they're not a NATO nation, they don't they're not on the North Atlantic. The the uh, what we, basically it did was it opened up a expansive border that was indefensible by Russia. So strategically for them, if Ukraine were to become a NATO nation, you know, they would not have been able to defend that border. I don't know. It's like 3000 miles or something like that, that dips into Russia. So I'm not trying to make excuses for Putin. I don't think he's a great guy. I'm just saying that on, on a strategic level, if the Chinese came in and took over, uh, or the Canada made an alliance with China and, uh, they allowed Chinese to house military in in, uh, Canada and maybe put missiles in Canada, that would be a, a, a major strategic issue for the U.S. and the U.S. would act in our own best self-interest. So, I mean, I think that's part of what happened. Um, but I but I, I think and have thought for a while that, you know, we should encourage and, and offer humanitarian support for, for anybody that that uh, wants to further the, you know, the state of democracy. But I also have a problem with the Ukraine right now in that you have somebody, we keep saying this is for democracy. This is, you know, we're, we've got to protect democracy. But you have a nation right now where you've got a leader over there in Zelensky that, that is jailing people that speak out against the war, that is ca- talking about calling off elections. I mean, this, this is anything but democratic. When you're putting, when you're putting Russian Orthodox priests in prison because of their association with the Russian Orthodox Church, because they may speak out against the war, that's not a free country. Uh, that and, and so we should ask ourselves: Is that is that our idea of what democracy looks like? Is that what we're willing to spend hundreds of billions of U.S. dollar taxpayer dollars on, um, and just keep feeding the death machine over there? And and I think we really need to reevaluate what we're doing over there. And I had some sources that been to Kiev. They were saying that in parts of the Ukraine, it's it's very sheltered from the war in places and there's young people being waiters they're not on the front and it's like there's a whole new a class of millionaires being formed in ukraine and my question is why haven't we audited this audited how many millionaires have the american taxpayers made uh in 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 ukraine uh, oh yeah can you get an answer for that well you know you you You've probably heard the stories and your listeners have probably heard the stories where you've got Ukrainians that are high up in the government that are they're basically trying to leave the country with suitcases full of money. Um, you, you, you've heard of the, the billions of dollars. I think it was about 10 billion is what they think went through FTX and was funneled back to different politicians in the form of crypto, which is not traceable. Um, it's a laundering machine. And, and way, way before this conflict, the Ukraine was known as a corrupt nation. They did, that's where most, that's where the East met the West and that's where they laundered money. That's where a lot of these bio uh, engineering uh, labs were at. Even the U.S. had a presence there and all that's come out. And you have to ask yourself, what's really going on here? And, um, but you're, you're right. We've made a lot of millionaires. We're prop, you know, the U.S. is paying the pension and the government salaries for the Ukraine. And here we are at the same time talking about limiting people's social security benefits and pushing the age to 70. And, and, and you have to ask yourself, 
are we really taking care of our own? I, I think we should take care of our own first and protect our own border first and not get sucked into some proxy war or between China and Russia and uh, I, and my opponent, uh, our current sitting senator. Um, he, if you look at what he has done in the in the in the space of the Ukraine war, he talks about being the ranking member on the Senate Armed Services Committee and. Every time you turn around, he's trying to give more billions and weapons to the Ukraine because it helps him. I mean, his donors, he, he is one of the highest recipients uh, of military industrial complex special interest money. Um, in 2022, uh, I think he took in almost a half a million dollars that year in donations from just that sector of the. So it makes his donors a lot of money. War makes people a lot of money and you take care of the people that are taking care of you. But it, your, your listeners may also remember that what he did over the past year was he pressured Biden to send um, cluster munitions over to the Ukraine. If you don't know what cluster munitions are, basically when they hit, they scatter and you have a lot of different uh, ballistics that explode. Well, about 5 to 15% of those never go off, and it leaves an absolute um, environmental disaster for the people left in that area. Well, they've been banned in almost 200 countries, and here we are trying to equip them and send cluster munitions. And then shortly after that, he pressured Biden to send uh, long-range ballistic missiles, which is like sending a big middle finger to the Chinese and the, and the, and the Russians. And if you remember, even Putin said there will be consequences for that. This is, this is who's representing us. This is who is, who is pushing the whole war machine and and we're we are playing chicken with some deadly players and i i fear for the readiness of our own military and for the safety of our own servicemen and women um and and he's a he's a big part of that problem let me jump in there again what really concerns me and i blame it on uh president biden in a way but you tell me if you feel like our, our senators has been a part of that I say our senator for our listeners, I am from Mississippi, and so Senator Roger Wicker, the incumbent, is my senator. But I know my question, are we better now, better prepared to fight a war if that was to happen? Are we more prepared now than, than we were uh, four years ago when President Trump? Oh. And of course, yeah. we, you know, we've depleted the strategic oil reserves. Uh, Biden did that to help get re Democrats reelected in 22. It has not been replenished. And, and at the same time, we're, I mean, I can hear it coming as a taxpayer. That yeah. someone's going to say, oh, we've depleted. We have got to get, we got to buy all these new weapons for the military. And we'll have to, yep. we won't have any. And I mean, that's exactly what happened when Trump got one in 2016. He came in and said, oh, they've just depleted the whole Pentagon. We have got to get these uh, weapons made and he did and now already why is it always the democrats when they're in charge is depleted republicans come in oh we've got to rebuild this up and then the american taxpayers putting the bill hold that thought right there dan i want to hear it but let me just take this moment to remind our listeners you listen to doc holiday's rock splitting politics we're talking to dan eubanks state representative state of mississippi from walls uh, up in the northwest uh, section of Mississippi, and he is running for the United States Senate against the 
incumbent Roger Wicker in the Republican primary, along with also with uh, Colonel Gannon Burton. But now, as we were talking, and in a minute we're going to let Dan give his answer, but I need to remind everybody you can go to www.hatchybooks.com, H-A-T-C-H-I-E. That's how you spell Hatchy, and uh, hatchybooks.com. Doc Holliday has a couple of novels out, and you'll enjoy the series. Go uh, get your copy of Hatchy, uh, the Keeper of the Secret, or Hatchy, the Golden Chalice. The series will continue as I'm working on book three now. And also, if you are paying way too much or paying what you think is outrageous premiums for medical insurance, then go to the front page of uh, this show of today with Dan Eubanks, and you'll see in the write-up about the show a link where you can find out and get a free quote of what you can get with when it comes to health sharing versus the insurance so go do that and now dan newbanks we were talking about why it always seems when the republicans come in the office the De- democrats have depleted the pentagon and 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 then they have to spend all this money to refurbish the pentagon and then uh when the democrats get back in they uh deplete it again why 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 okay dan give us an answer well, there's not a lot of difference between most of the Republicans and Democrats. If, if your listeners think about it, you have um, just let's take, for example, the U.S. House has 435 reps in it. And some people can't even name who their own personal rep is, but they could probably name, you know, five or six on the far left and another five or six on the far right. But they couldn't name anybody else in the middle because there's not a lot that separates the 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 swamp. And both parties, other than maybe a few social issues, they're all part of the same beast. And, you know, you're, you're spot on as far as like being military preparedness and, and, and cranking up the war machines. I have a buddy who's in the guard and they went to do drills recently up in Kentucky and they were going to do artillery drills. There was no munitions. And so they get to the big warehouses and they're like, well, where's the munitions? And they're like, well, they're all in the Ukraine. Ah. You know, we, we left. We left how many billion dollars worth of uh, military equipment for the Afghanis so that the Taliban could take it? And some of those have found their way back into Palestine. I mean, we have an inept set of leaders that are that are based. And, and you know, you leave it because guess what? You're going to replace it and it helps your military, uh, um, you know, your, your military industrial complex, the manufacturers of all those weapons. And but you're right. We are going to put ourselves in a position where we. We don't have what we need, and um, and it's it's dangerous. It's it's a dangerous game they're playing, just to benefit the machine. You brought up a point that uh, I know I've heard Trump talk about when Trump was president at the end, talking about how he had he had planned to get out of Afghanistan if he'd been mm-hmm. put back in office, and 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 then he's talking about the general who was saying and uh, the head of Joint Chief of Staff. Of there was saying we need to just leave all this here and trump say no i want everything back he wanted to leave things there so the pentagon would pay the people the industrial mili- military industrial complex to keep that cycle going and in some way i mean i want america to be the strongest best military best equipped military but we don't want to play games with the american taxpayer like it's happening yeah. 
our leaders up there, I mean, everybody knows good and well, well they're going to say, oh, we're depleted and we got to have this when the elections are over with. Now, somebody needs to do it right now. Say, if we need stuff, tell us now. Get off, yeah. get off the couch, get off somewhere and stand up like a man and say, we need it now. And we got, yeah. we got people, uh, McConnell and others, just uh, being pasties up there. And if you if we need it, tell us now. But anyway, don't, don't uh, uh, Dan. One thing I'm glad that you're, you're bold. You jumped into this race, and uh, we've talked about uh, some of the world issues. And I will ask you two quick questions so we can stay on this subject, and then we got to move to domestic issues. But okay. uh, what, what your senator say? Say you're elected. It's Senator Dan Eubanks, and uh, and people come and say, Dan, what are we going to do about uh? the uh, little missile man uh, over in North Korea. What, what, uh, what, what's your input? What's your, uh, when it comes to treaties, the senators uh, give advice for treaties, give advice to uh, the administration. So what's your advice to do about North Korea? Well, you know, I think, uh, I think President Trump, he took a lot of heat for actually going over there and meeting with uh, uh, the leader of North Korea and yeah, it came on and, 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 and I think it was a bold move. It, they said, you know, you meet with them legitimizes him as a ruler, but if anything, it ingratiated him to our president. And you notice after that, we didn't get a whole lot of uh, lip basically from them. Um, I, I think what happens is, is when you have a weak leader, it emboldens, um, it emboldens the bad actors. They're like, well, I can get away with this. It's, it's just like in a, in a classroom where a teacher, you know, when school starts out, they usually burn a kid just to s establish like, oh, don't mess with teacher because, you know, she'll get you. Um, when you have a teacher that is, is a pushover and that doesn't know how to maintain order and, and, you know, isn't bold enough to set people straight, it will spin and spiral out of control. So you need to show uh, a, a certain amount of power, but you also... It's not just about power. You don't just build more bombs for building bombs sake. At some point you, you know, you can blow up the world a hundred times over. So what does that, what does that approve anything? Um, there has to be a little bit of diplomacy and sometimes diplomacy doesn't necessarily look the way, you know, the vast majority of people want it to look like. And I think one of the things that, that, um, you know, that Trump did, which was, it was like, you, you remember the news headlines. It was controversial. You know, couldn't believe that a U.S. sitting president would even acknowledge, you know, North Korea. And um, but but there's something about being willing to roll up your sleeves and then go and meet with somebody and speak truth to them. Um, and I think that that's always a good policy to follow. I mean, you know, biblically, you know, it talks about if somebody's offended you, you're supposed to go to them. I don't think it's any different in politics. I've I've had folks get mad at me because of a, something I voted for or, or pushed in the legislature and I get wind that they're mad at me and I go and try to talk to them. I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm picking up that you're upset with me. Let's talk about it. Um, they don't know how to deal with that. It's, it's so foreign in politics that it's just kind of like, no, you just, we get very divided and, and, and very partisan or very, you know, it's us and them, even with our own party. And uh, nobody wants to sit down and have a conversation and just say, hey, look, we can agree to disagree on certain things. But, you know, here's why I draw a line in the sand. And I, I think there's a certain amount of, um, you know, that that's missing, not just in, in government, both at the state level and the federal level. 
but even among nations. Um, and I think that I think that Trump was willing to do that, and he, he showed that in, in several instances. And so that would be one of the things. Um, you know, I think that if there's human atrocities going on, it's not like we do a lot of trade with North Korea. So we can't we can't say, well, we're not going to buy your stuff or we're going to throw tariffs on it or whatever. I mean, we need to make sure that we have strong partners over there with like South Korea and, and Japan and all that, the people that are most affected. Um, but but I think there's a certain amount of dialogue that has to happen. And um, if you don't, then you just you feed the very problem that you've got. Let's move on quickly, which is a big, tough subject, but just say, where, where do you stand in uh, the Middle East? Where, where do you stand with uh, Israel? Do you stand with Israel and you know, their protection as the only democracy in the Middle East? It, Israel's a major ally with the U.S., okay? And and so in that region of the country, they're they're one of our best allies. And, and I think any nation has a right to defend themselves. Um, if somebody's going to come in and attack you, just like if somebody were to kick in the door to your house, you have the right to blow them away if you need to. Right. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot of questions that surround what's going on in, in there. You know, I believe that the Palestinians have been co-opted, uh, by Hamas and those groups. And, and, you know, they're paying the price for, for that. I don't think every Palestinian is an evil person that needs to die. I think there needs to be some civility there too. I understand you want to root out the bad actors, but, um, you know, it, I, I still don't know how, you know, one of the greatest intelligence agencies in the world being the, you know, um, the Mossad there in Israel, that they had advanced warning from Egypt that these missiles were coming and yet they're totally taken off guard. I, I don't I don't understand that. And I don't know if some of that was just an impetus to give you a reason to go in and, and finally deal with your problem. But I, but I think that. From what I'm seeing, there are there are there's real suffering among women and children and, and everybody else over there. There needs to be some humanitarian support, I think. But I, I'm not gonna decry Israel for protecting itself. I just I I think that I think that both sides are suffering in this in this in this battle and, and I would hope that there's somebody that could come in and and you know, broker some peace. Um we don't have a leader now, that's for sure. We problem. certainly don't, and that's the problem. I, I, I am sure had this happened under uh, President Trump's watch, he, he would have been over there in the middle of it trying to negotiate something, um, or at least some of his people would have. I, I think the Biden administration, those folks are just completely inept. But let's jump into domestic politics before we do that. Uh, if you're elected to the United States Senate, what senators who are there now would you try to be more like i'm not saying being exactly like but who right who would mentors if you went into the united states senate who would you say teach me how you do what you do you know let me know i want to be on a fast track so i can do the best for my constituents and for this nation yeah well you know there's a couple i can think of you know um i, I kind of like Rand paul he's not afraid to stand up alone in a fight um ted cruz is is, is certainly willing to call things out kennedy some of those guys um you know i i like the fighters i like the people that are are willing to be the lone man on the island if they have to to do the right thing not to take my marching orders from mitch mcconnell and do what i'm told like our current senator i i uh, and, and that's part of that's part of who i would uh, i think i would seek out uh now i'm not saying i'm just like any one of them i think folks can look at my record in the mississippi legislature and see that i'm a 
constitutional Christian conservative. Um, and, and I will, I'll fight to the death when it comes to defending our freedom and liberty. Um, but I'm also going to, I'm not going to give lip service to, uh, so much of the stuff that most of our politicians do, including, uh, Roger Wicker. Um, it's like, it's easy to be pro-life until you really got to do something about it. And, uh, for those of your listeners that aren't familiar with me, I, I've been one of the most pro-life guys in the Mississippi legislature. I was a co-author of the bill that went to the U.S. Supreme Court and ultimately overturned Roe versus Wade. And our, our current senator claims to be all super pro-life. But when when the House handed him up a, a, a plan to force the Pentagon to rescind their their current policy of of, uh, you know, where if if a military personnel wants an abortion and it's not available in their state, they'll actually pay the bill for them to go to another state and get the abortion, which is actually against the Hyde Amendment, which um, says that no U.S. tax dollars are supposed to be spent directly on abortions. And so the U.S. House actually, when the NDAA was coming up, which is the National Defense Authorization Act, where they basically fund the military and give more money to the Ukraine and all of that, um, our current senator brags about being the ranking member of the Senate Armed Service Committee. He has influence there. But when asked if he was going to, you know, use his leverage to get the Pentagon to rescind that order and which would be a very pro-life move, he's like, no, no, we want a clean bill. The only senator there was Tuberville, who who actually did something and held up the the uh, um, the system when it came to appointments uh, to try and get that done. And our senator will talk about how pro-life he is, but he wasn't even willing to step out of his comfort zone to do something pro-life. So I'm not afraid to do that. And I want to surround myself with other people that are bold and willing to do the right thing and not the politically expedient thing or what the machine would want or what, what my boss, Mitch McConnell, which wouldn't be my boss. I, um, I'm going to represent the people of Mississippi, not some Mitch McConnell or, or, or a majority Senate majority leader. Um, and, and I will always put the people first and the, well, the constitution first and the, and the people first too. Um, and so that's the kind of people I'd want to surround myself with ones that aren't afraid to be the lone guy on the Hill calling it out. Okay. Um, I'm saying this is a candidate, Dan Eubanks running for uh, United States Senate. So Dan, just uh, sum up why, why you're running, what you're doing before I give you two or three minutes just to sum this All right. up our uh, interview. Okay. Uh, well, Doc, first, thanks for having me on your, on your show. Um, but I'll tell you this, you know, I, I truly believe that the election this year, not just in Mississippi, but our entire nation will be the most important one that you and I will have witnessed in our lifetime and quite possibly our nation's history. You don't have to be a psychic or a rocket scientist to read the writing on the wall or the tea leaves to see where our nation is headed. And so it's very important, not just who we put in the white house, but who we put in the Capitol building. Um, you know, I, I'm a fighter. I've, I've always been a fighter. I'm not doing this for my own accolades. I'm doing it because I can't not do something. Uh, I can't see the direction we're headed and not get engaged. And, and I, my wife and I prayed about this for, you know, uh, more than a year before I decided to step in the race. And every time, every time I fleeced God, it kept coming back. I was supposed to do it. And I was like, all right, Lord, you call us to be faithful. We'll let you worry about the outcomes. So I want to go and fight for the people of Mississippi. I want to go and fight for the people of this great country. And, and so I need you. 
uh, and you need me and, and together. Um, and for such a time as this, our nation needs us both. So I would encourage folks to go check me out online. You can go to daneubanks.com. That's D-A-N-E-U-B-A-N-K-S.com. You can see all my social media there. You can donate to the campaign, which we can always use help with. Um, and you can come be a part of Team Eubanks. But most importantly, if you live in Mississippi or you know folks that live in Mississippi, I encourage you to tell them to get out and vote on March 12th. And and when they vote for their presidential nominee, I'll be down ticket just below that. Um, we hope that they'll come and vote for, for, for me. Uh, just remember, you can bank on Eubanks. And that was Dan Eubanks. Candidate for United States Senate seat right here in the state of Mississippi for people around the country. I hope you see what's going on in your local primaries for senator, for representative. Get involved. That's what makes America great again. We've all got to get involved. See you next week with another edition of Doc Holliday's A Rock Splitting Politics. Thanks for joining us today, and remember to listen again next week for another edition of Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. You can order Ed's new book, Bedrock Truths, by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen, or visit DocHolliday.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week.